I have a serious question for you. Why is the world of wellness so serious? It's all about discipline, willpower, all work and no play. And to be honest, the focus seems to be much more on how we look than how we feel. These impossible standards can feel like a full-time job, but it doesn't have to. Welcome to Part-Time Wellness, the podcast where we redefine wellness and create health habits that enhance our life, not overtake it. I'm Chelsea Eithoven, a wellness coach for women with ADHD, late diagnosed ADHD or myself, and your biggest cheerleader. I believe that you can have it all. You can experience a life of fulfillment, joy, and play, along with thriving health and wellness. You can have your cake and eat it too. Why else would you make a cake? ADHDers deserve to experience the feeling of thriving, not just surviving. So together we'll explore the world of wellness and life in general with ADHD. Don't forget to subscribe and let's dive in. We've got a lot to chat about. What is up guys? Welcome back to Part-Time Wellness, the podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Eithoven. And today we have something special, a little different, as you can see. I wanted to give you guys a sample of the Patreon content. So if you didn't know, I started a Patreon, and instead of being a normal Patreon where it's just like bonus episodes, I'm kind of experimenting with something new where I'm doing audio mini courses. So instead of doing a digital course, I have a digital course, which some people love and some people love video content, but I was getting oodles and oodles of feedback that people enjoy audio content, which hello, duh, I enjoy audio content. If you're here listening to the podcast, you probably enjoy audio content. And as ADHDers, we like to learn while we do other things, right? So you're probably listening to this while maybe you're driving or maybe you are tidying your house or maybe you're doing an art project, doing your cute little ADHD thing. That's exactly how I like to learn as well. So I had the thought, well, duh, instead of making it a video course, which you have to sit down and watch it and try and pay super close attention, which is difficult for us. Sometimes we're paying better attention when we're doing other things and our body or our hands are busy. So I have the digital course as an option and I'm utilizing this Patreon to create audio mini courses. So they're about an hour long each and they're on different topics. And I'm giving you a sample of one today. It's not the full one because it is the full one is about an hour and 11 minutes. And I talk about it in the course, but I encourage Patreon members to break it up if they want to or utilize it however you want. I'm not going to post the whole thing on here. But today, like I said, just want to give you a sample and a free little snippet of this audio mini course. You can get a taste of what it's like. And this one is all about motivating your ADHD brain with the spoonful of sugar method. When I posted this method on TikTok and Instagram, y'all freaked out with excitement. You loved this idea. You wanted more information. So I knew I had to put it out there for you guys to, you know, be able to deep dive on this. What better place than the podcast? I think podcasts are so convenient. And I think it was Lauren on the Skinny Confidential talk about how podcasts are awesome because they honor other people's time, right? Like we're all busy. We don't really just want to sit and stare at a screen for an hour. So it respects our time by allowing us to do other things while we're on our commute, while we're taking a walk, while we're doing other things. And so an audio course is different than a podcast in the fact that 
It's created to help you actually take action rather than a lot of podcasts are like, okay, I'm just going to listen and I'm not really going to implement much, or at least I'm going to tell you I'm guilty of that. I use podcasts mostly for enjoyment, even learning podcasts, but the audio course is really built and then there'll be additional resources to help you implement. So this mini course, I was going over the five things that motivate the ADHD brain and I also go over the spoonful of sugar method. So how to incorporate those into your habits to actually take action on your habits and not just write it down on a to-do list and then never feel the motivation to do it and never get around to do it. So if you enjoyed the tidbit and you want the rest of this little mini course, then join the Patreon. Thank you so much, by the way, to the people who have joined the Patreon. I love you. I appreciate you for supporting the podcast, for supporting me, and I hope that you enjoy it. And I'm going to be building out the Patreon with many more mini courses to come. I am taking suggestions for this. So if you have any topics, if you are a member of the Patreon and you have topics that you would like to suggest, please do that. I would love your suggestions and I would love to make mini courses on things that you guys want to learn how to do. So the two audio courses that are up right now are How to Form a Habit with ADHD, where I outline the One Small Step Method, and now this one, How to Motivate Your ADHD Brain with the Spoonful of Sugar Method. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this free little snippet of an audio mini course. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Patreon, and welcome to your audio mini course on how to motivate your ADHD brain with the spoonful of sugar method. First of all, I wish you could see me right now. Maybe I can find a way to take a picture, but I made this little cozy corner because I'm ever trying to increase the quality of sound in a creative ways for the Patreon and the podcast, but I'm in this cozy little corner of a bunch of velvet blankets and comforters and a bunch of pillows. And I kind of look ridiculous. Maybe I can find a way to post a picture on Patreon. But anyways, I'm so happy you're here. I think you are going to love this audio mini course. This was highly requested. You guys loved learning about the spoonful of sugar on Instagram and TikTok. So I knew this had to be an audio mini course. So let's get into it. Let's start with a little bit of an outline of what you're going to be hearing in this course, just so you kind of know where we're at at all times. I'm going to give you a couple suggested uses and reminders of the Patreon and the difference between the Patreon and the podcast, and then we're going to dive into it. So without further ado, let's get into it. Let's start with the outline. So brief outline, how we're going to do this. First, we're going to be going over some of the big picture concepts that we're going to be playing with, right? We're not going to dive straight into the strategy. You're just going to be listening to some of these concepts and we're going to be talking about like the differences in the ADHD brain, why we need a little bit extra like to do the most to get ourselves more motivated than a neurotypical brain. Then we're going to talk about the five things that can help motivate the ADHD brain in detail so you can understand and create some brain dumps of examples of how to use those in your life. And then last, we're going to talk about how this fits in like the system for this. So what the spoonful of sugar is and how this fits in with the one small step method, because this actually does fit in like a piece of the puzzle. So the one small step method is what you learned in the previous audio course, how to form a habit with ADHD. And that's the basis of all these courses moving forward pretty much is like no matter what habit we're forming, we can always come back to the one small step method. 
And a piece of that puzzle is adding in a spoonful of sugar to the habits that we are learning. So we're going to talk about how it kind of fits in with the one small step method and what the spoonful of sugar method is. And that'll be like the systemic piece of it, have how to implement it. So couple reminders of suggested uses of this audio mini course. First of all, just reminder that it is an audio mini course. And you can think of the Patreon differently than a podcast. You can almost think of it like a class, right? So let's say you're in university or college. You come in for your audio course here, right? And you come to this hour course ready to learn and ready to implement. So we're learning to implement, not just learning to learn. So it's almost like you have this audio course where you listen and then you're going to be implementing and you're going to come back to the next audio course and learn some more. Does that make sense? The reason I say that is just so you can use this information and actually implement it versus a lot of podcasts. We just kind of listen to listen. So that means that you're going to want to build in an extra 10 or 15 minutes to either pause throughout the mini course and fill out and answer the questions that I'm sharing with you in the moment, or you can do it at the end and just kind of do all of your brain dumps and all of the thoughts that we talk about throughout the mini course. And so that's kind of the suggested use of how to use this. But of course, you're also welcome to do literally whatever the hell you want and use this information however you please. I just like to offer systems if they resonate with you and if they help you organize your brain around these ideas. You may already have your own systems that work for you and you just want to learn this information and add it in however you feel like. That's the beauty of the ADHD experience, right, is that we are creative and a lot of times We have our own good ideas, so I want to leave that option always open to you and always let you know you're welcome to use this stuff however you want, not just the suggestive way that I share with you. Now, a couple other reminders. You can feel free to break this up into time chunks if you need to. I keep it in one big chunk, so just for ease of the mini audio courses, so it's all in one spot and there's not a bunch of videos on the Patreon or audios that would be kind of confusing. But if you need to chunk it up into shorter pieces, please feel free to do that. I know that works better for some people. For other people, they like to listen to this while they're doing other things. So they want a full hour or so to get all this information. Make it work for you. There's also the options to speed up the audio or slow it down. So really do what works for your brain. That's what all of this is about. Okay, so let's get into some of these bigger picture concepts. First thing we're going to talk about is the why. Why? Did the spoonful of sugar method come into play? Why does it matter for ADHDers? How is it different? So I want to start by saying the most crucial lesson that I have learned and kind of harnessed since I was diagnosed with ADHD a little over, what, a year and a half ago, is that there is one word or one phrase that is the absolute death of motivation for an ADHDer. And I'm curious if you can guess what the word is dramatic pause, but the word is should. How many times have you should on yourself over and over again, right? I should work out today. I should eat more produce. I should be intermittent fasting. I should meditate. I should be able to focus more than I can. I shouldn't be on TikTok. I'm wasting time, whatever it is. How do you should on yourself over and over again? What's like the thing that you tend to tell yourself you should all the time, but it never ends up actually happening. The funny thing about shitting on ourselves is we think that that's going to motivate us, but it doesn't. 
Now, the reason for this is because one of the differences between the ADHD brain and a neurotypical brain is in dopamine production. The dopamine production is different than a regular brain in the way that not that we have less dopamine, but our dopamine receptors are different. So basically, this means our dopamine can't get to the place it needs to get to. And dopamine is a neurochemical that's involved in motivation. And since the production or the way we use dopamine isn't as consistent, we basically have a lower dopamine level, (laughs) which can have many different implications, right? That means that we have a harder time with consistent motivation, right? The production of our dopamine is pretty inconsistent. Dopamine levels fluctuate when estrogen levels fluctuate, which means that if you are a female in a female body, then at different points of our menstrual cycle, we will not have as much dopamine to pull from. So this is why you may kind of feel like sometimes you're super motivated and able to do the things that you want to do for future you. And sometimes we can't find the energy or the motivation at all. And we just kind of feel stuck on the couch or stuck in inaction. Now, what this can mean is that since we have lower dopamine baseline, basically, a lot of neurotypical self-development, habit development is about discipline and saying, well, you just need to do it. You just need to want it bad enough. You need to remember the outcome. And while I think remembering the outcome is helpful, sometimes it's not enough for the ADHD brain, right? Because we don't have enough dopamine to get us into action or feel motivated. We don't have that just do it button for the things that we don't feel excited about. Maybe those times in your cycle when you are at a higher level of dopamine or, you know, earlier in the day or when you're not depleted or whatnot, maybe you are able to do those things and kind of feel like sometimes it's those moments where you're like, wait, do I have ADHD? Because everything's fine. Everything's going great right now, right? So sometimes we are able to be motivated by things that are important, but a lot of times the ADHD brain is not able to find enough motivation from things that are quote unquote important, which means we need to add in a little extra boost. I love analogies. They're like my bread and butter. They're how I understand things. So I want you to think of it like this. When you're in one of those low dopamine phases, right, or you're not able to motivate yourself and you're trying to just tell yourself to just do it, it's almost like you get in your car to go somewhere and your car battery is dead. You just don't have the juice to go anywhere. And you're turning your key and nothing is happening. And you're looking around at all the other cars and saying like, ugh, All they have to do is turn the key and they get started and they get to go. But mine won't. I'm turning the key over and over again and nothing is happening. I'm trying, but I'm not feeling that boost to get up and go. I feel like this is a good comparison of what it's like watching neurotypical people tell you to quote unquote, just do it. They're like, just do it. You can just do it. Like, hello, just turn your key. And you're like, I'm turning my key and nothing is happening. But the issue is you need to jumpstart your car. You need to find, you know, somebody that can hook up their car to you and jumpstart with a little boost. And this mini course is all about that, figuring out what those things are that will quote unquote jumpstart your motivation. So that's the big question. What will jumpstart our motivation with ADHD? We're going to be going over the five things that can help motivate the ADHD brain. And we're going to be kind of playing and experimenting with them and infusing these five things into our habits that we are working on forming. And when we do that, that's when things start clicking into place. In a moment, we're going to go over and we're going to kind of deep dive into the five things that motivate the ADHD brain. And Before we do that, though, 
leave you on a little bit of a cliffhanger because I do want to share a caveat. And that's because I can already anticipate these things being used and abused because that's just who we are. We have ADHD. We go all in and we go hard and you're going to listen to this course and you're going to have the expectation that you are going to be motivated all the time and you're going to turn into a neurotypical human after listening to this course. Maybe that's just me because that's totally what I would do. But Let's insert a caveat here, right? We are human beings. We are not robots and we are not meant to be motivated all the time. And this is not going to turn you into a neurotypical person where you're able to do all the things all the time, which even neurotypicals can't either because they're also humans. So let's remember that. But We're not meant to be motivated all the time. So if you're trying to use this to work past your natural capacity or you haven't given your physical body what it needs, so you're not prioritizing rest and fuel, aka food, and really taking care of your body on a baseline level, which is hard for us to do as ADHDers, I will admit. And these things can help us take care of ourselves on a base level. But I just want you to recognize the whole point of this ramble is that we're not meant to be and we're not going to be motivated all the time. So these things won't always work. They're just things that we can try and that can help us. And keep in mind, again, if you are female, your menstrual cycle and how that's going to impact your levels of motivation and productivity, your personal capacity for productivity and you know action, how much energy we're expending on everything else in our life. Just keep all those things in mind, how much sleep we get, right? We're not going to be motivated all the time. Our brains and bodies need rest and recharge, and that is such a big part of overall wellness. So while these five things, when infused in with your habits that you're working on forming, will most definitely help you feel more excited and motivated and interested in following through with this habit and not just getting excited about the plan and ever following through. We're not going to be motivated all the time. End of story. That's it. (laughs) Okay, let's get into the five things that motivate the ADHD brain because I know you're wondering by now. So I like to use the acronym PINCH to remember them, like pinch with your finger and little teaser of what's coming next. I also like to use this acronym. It's kind of fun because with the spoonful of sugar, we're going to think of pinching in a spoonful of sugar, right? So it's like you're pinching in a spoonful of sugar and dropping it in your coffee or whatever. But pinch stands for, the P stands for play. The I stands for interest or passion. The N stands for novelty. The C stands for competition, but I also add in challenge, and we'll talk about why in a bit. And the H stands for hurry up or urgency. So those are the five things that we can sprinkle into our habits that will help us feel a little bit more excitement and motivation to take action on them. Play, interest and passion, novelty, competition and challenge, and hurry up or urgency. Pinch is not something that I came up with. In fact, Everything that I do, I am learning about the ADHD brain and learning from different resources before I bring this information to you and create a little system out of it or whatever. So Pinch, I did not come up with this. I actually found this information in a blog for parents of ADHD children, and then I started researching it further and understanding it a bit more. And I've kind of edited and revised it for adults and started playing with it because I knew that they were onto something with these five things. And it's been really fun to talk to you guys as well and see how much this stuff resonates. Something to keep in mind is that not all five of these work 
for every single ADHDers. We are still individuals. We are not all the same. And ADHD looks different for everyone and also just depends on our individual personalities. So this is going to be really about experimenting and figuring out which ones resonate, trying out all of them and seeing because there may be some that you don't think you resonate with, but you actually do. But if you feel like some don't resonate with you, don't feel like you have to try them and start just leaning into the ones that resonate with you. For example, for me, I am obsessed with novelty. That's almost always one of my go-tos is finding ways to switch things up to make them feel fresh and new. I'm not a big fan of competition. I could give a big fat shit. (laughs) That's disgusting, but hilarious about whether or not I win something like that really doesn't do it for me. And any kind of competition, I'm just like, meh. Whatever. So, you know, it's about kind of leaning into which ones work for you and which ones don't. And the actual point of this is utilizing some of these strategies to get away from these habits feeling like a have to and start figuring out ways to make them feel like a want to. That is the whole point of this. So if the habit you insert in a pinch of sugar, spoonful of sugar, and you don't feel like you want to do the habit, then I would suggest trying another one because it didn't work, right? And it's an experiment. This is all a big experiment. And you're going to be putting on our scientist hats and kind of expecting that some things are going to work and some things aren't. And it doesn't mean anything about us as a person. It doesn't mean anything about anything. We're just experimenting and playing with it. Speaking of play, let's go ahead and dive into the five things that motivate the ADHD brain. And let's start with play. Now, what is play? It's kind of funny. I was talking to my husband about this recently, you know, and we were talking about playing more and using your imagination. And for him, because we haven't talked about this stuff a whole lot in detail, He was just thinking of real kid stuff, right? So playing with Legos, playing with toys with our nephews, just genuinely what you think of when you think of watching children play. And I think a lot of us think that. We think of play and we think of playing with kids, which honestly, I'm not going to lie, is not always very fun, right? And we think of play as just like playing with kids, or maybe you think of it as just doing something that's fun, which is true, but it's also a little bit different. Play is a very specific kind of mindset. See, play is doing something just for the sake of doing it and not for the outcome. So kids, for example, playing is as an early childhood educator, I went to school for early childhood education. Play is very important for the development of the brain, but that's not why kids do it. Kids play because they like it, because it's fun. And if we can get into the energy of play and kind of take the pressure of getting certain outcome out of certain things, this is so beneficial. Now, the first reason that getting into the energy of play is beneficial is number one, because we can experiment more and kind of unleash our creativity. We're not worrying about a certain outcome. One activity could be a form of play, and it also could not be a form of play. So I'll give you this example. Let's say that you like to create jewelry. You find different stones, whatever you do, you make jewelry for fun. Now that could be an activity where you are in play, or it could not. So if you just make jewelry just for the fun of it, and you don't care what the outcome is, you're not like stressed about the jewelry looking a certain way, you just purely do it for fun and get into the creative zone, that would be an example of play. Now, let's say that you say, hey, I'm pretty good at this. I want to turn this into a side hustle. And all of a sudden, 
there's pressure on an outcome, right? You want the jewelry to look a certain way. Now you're starting to think, well, will people want to buy this? And you're worried about the outcome. And you're also tacking on all these other tasks to it that aren't necessarily play, like start an Etsy shop and the shipping and all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, that activity that was play no longer has the energy of play. I think as adults, we do this a lot. We feel like we want everything to be productive, and therefore, we take away the energy of play from so many activities. And by doing that, we're sucking the joy out of life, and we're really taking away something that could be really life-giving and really inspiring to us and turning it into something that is life-draining, which we have enough of those things in our life. Play is beneficial, like I said, because we can get more creative and if we're not caring about the outcome and really be experimental. And number two, it's important because it produces dopamine, right? Which creates motivation, which means that we'll want to do the thing that we are quote unquote shooting on ourselves to do. So if you did start a jewelry business, for example, and you're wanting to start doing that again, taking out the energy of it being something that you have to do and getting back into the energy of it being something you want to do and you're doing just for fun can turn an activity from something that you have to into something that you want to. And that's why play is really freaking awesome. And this is something that only in hindsight, I realized I really did with exercise. So I turned it into something that I took away the shoulds, all the shoulds. There's no shoulds with me with movement anymore. It doesn't have to be a certain length of time. It doesn't have to produce a certain amount of sweat. It doesn't have to produce soreness. It's just about getting in the moment and getting into my body. And you know what that's meant for me since I've started getting into that energy with movement is that I actually want to do it more and I do it so much more and there's no pressure. I genuinely love moving my body, which I know is so annoying because I remember hearing people say that and I'm like, yeah, right, whatever. But once I started taking the pressure off and doing it as a form of play, it really did become something that I enjoy doing. Anyways, that was a tangent. Let's get back on track. I could talk about play all day. So we're going to dive into this one a little bit. But many of us, myself included, have found that in adulthood, we've lost the art of having fun. Everything has a purpose. Our society really values productivity and having something to show for our time. If We're being honest, this is a very performative way to live. We're doing these things to prove our worth in a way, right? Like it's kind of the energy of like, you know, when somebody says, what did you do today? And all of a sudden you tense up and you're like, I don't know, because we feel like our time has to show something. We have to show something for it. And again, this is performative. But play is the total opposite energy. Play is only for you and it's something that at the end of it, you may or may not have something to show for it other than just like your pure joy. Because the point of it isn't having something to show. The point isn't an outcome. The point is simply enjoying the moment of life here on earth. And honestly, isn't deep down that what like the reason we're doing absolutely everything If you really genuinely think about your goals, you want to be productive to make more money or to change your body or whatever it is you desire and your goals, the reason you want to do that is because you want to better enjoy your life here on earth. You think that 
being more productive or making more money or changing your body or whatever the thing is, you think that those things are going to enhance your experience here on earth. So play is a way to tap into that energy now and enjoy your time here on earth right now without having to become something or someone different. So let's talk about what play is and how you can tap into it. And then we're going to do a little brain dump and you're going to brain dump the things that are play for you. So like I said, play is a mental state of exploration where we're doing things for the fun of them, not the outcome. And in the book Play by Stuart Brown, he gives seven ways to identify whether or not something is play. So we're just going to briefly go over those. It doesn't have to hit every single one. Don't stress about this. But from the book, what he says that play is, the seven characteristics of play is that number one, it's apparently purposeless meaning it's done for its own sake, not for an outcome. Number two, it's voluntary, aka nobody is forcing you into play. Like if you have kids, you go to them and you say, you got to play house right now because that's what you're supposed to do right now. (laughs) No, they play in the ways they want to play when they want to do it. It's voluntary. Number three, there is an inherent attraction, aka you inherently enjoy this. It's fun for you. Number four, there's a freedom from time. Hello, hyperfocus. This means that you are not noticing the passing of time because you are enjoying this activity. Number five is diminished consciousness of self. And what this basically means is you're not paying attention to yourself. You're no longer self-conscious. So what happens when we're self-conscious? We're thinking about how we look to other people, right? Maybe in a workout class, you're thinking, oh my God, do I look stupid? Am I doing it the right way? You're not in a mindset of play in that moment. A mindset of play is like you're so in the activity. You're not thinking about yourself or what you look like. You're so immersed. It's this feeling of immersion. Number six, there is improvisational potential, which means it could go any which way. So play isn't like this very, very structured thing, although it could be, you know, if you're playing a game like football or kickball or something like that. Yeah, it might. But there's improvisational potential, maybe structure, but it's loose structure. Anything could happen. And then there's number seven, continuational desire. That means that you want to continue doing it. Like when it ends, you're like, gosh, that was so fun. Like I look forward to the next time I get to do that or you want to continue. So what I want you to do now is think about what things qualify as play for you. AKA, what do you secretly dream of doing all day, right? What do you feel like you could do that time is not a factor? You could do these things for hours without being bored. And I want you to just do a brain dump of those activities. And don't worry if this is difficult to do. This is something, again, that we don't tap into as adults very often. So if you feel like you're having a hard time thinking of them, keep this list in your notion. The place you could brain dump it if you want to is in the one small step notion template. Go to the spoonful of sugar method section, and then there's a little section where you can brain dump and you can keep all of your play ideas, all of your ideas for these things in one spot so that each month as you're choosing your new habit, you can reference this back. Again, don't worry about figuring out how to implement this right now. Right now, we're just talking about, remember, the big picture things, like what the big concepts are, the five things that motivate the ADHD brain. In a few moments after we go through the rest of Pinch, we're going to talk about how we're going to implement this. So what things are play for you? I'll give you some examples for myself. Number one is thrifting. 
going to a thrift store, getting into the exploration mode of looking at all the things, I get lost in time and space. Same with decorating my house. I know that sounds so silly. And that's another hurdle that mentally to get over is like, gosh, this sounds so stupid or this sounds so shallow that I love to decorate my house. Is that really a form of play? For me, it is. Moving around the furniture and creating like an environment that feels really cozy, finding different color schemes. Like, oh, I just love it. It's so much fun for me. So that might be a form of play. Like I said, different forms of movement. Just think of any and every activity that you just get lost in. Is it some kind of artwork? Is it creating different experiences for people like party planning? Is it actual play? So do you participate in a sport or um, some kind of movement, right? Is it skateboarding or wakeboarding or are you on a flag football team or kickball? Is it swimming, right? Just getting in a pool and playing around. So create a big fat brain dump of all the things you enjoy to do for play. And you can start with things that you do now for play. You can think about things that you did as a child for play or a teenager. And with the spoonful of sugar method, we're going to be be working on infusing pieces of play and that play energy into the habits we're working on creating. Also, I will let you know there is going to be an entire mini course just on play. And we're going to get into the nine, is it nine or eight play personalities? And we're going to just dive into this so much deeper because I think it's so important for our mental health and wellness to be able to get out of the productivity mode all the time and just do things just for fun. Keep an eye out for that. That is coming. Get excited. But go ahead and pause now and do the brain dump of all the things that feel like play for you. Now, the second thing in pinch is the I, interest and passion. So with interest and passion, we don't need as much explanation. All the rest are a little bit more self-explanatory than play, so they're not going to take as much time. But interest and passion, the ADHD brain is a interest-driven brain. So we're not as much an importance-driven brain, right? So the neurotypical brain might be driven by the fact that it's important to get something done on time. But the ADHD brain is interest-driven. So what that means is instead of being able to just say, well, exercise is important for my heart, instead of doing that, that's not really going to get our juices flowing for very many of us ADHDers. So instead, what gets us going is by finding ways to infuse our inherent interests and passions into the activities that we know are important. So if you are trying to incorporate more movement, it's trying to figure out how you can incorporate your inherent interests and passions into that activity. So what are the things that inherently interest you? I want you to really think about that. So for me, some things, my passions that I have never gotten sick of and things I'm interested in endlessly is number one, learning about humans and the human brain and psychology. Oh my gosh, that is an interest that I could literally never get sick of. So that would qualify as like, you know, listening to podcasts about those topics, reading books about those topics, talking to others about those topics, right? Some of my other inherent interests and passions are like making things pretty, Again, it feels a little shallow to say that, but it's true. So making things pretty, putting together outfits that look cohesive, being in spaces that I think are decorated really beautifully or decorating my own spaces really beautifully within the limitations of my budget. 
also another inherent interest in something that to me has become a passion of mine is dancing, moving my body, trying new ways to experience movement and just getting into my physical body. Also, I'm a huge foodie. That's a big interest of mine and a passion of mine. I love trying new foods. I love cooking. I love experimenting in the kitchen. I like going to new restaurants. These are just some of my many interests and passions. So what I want you to do is pause here and brain dump all of your inherent interests and passions. So the things that you could learn about and do for hours and hours, and keep in mind that some of these might overlap with play. So what are your interests and passions? And you're back from brain dumping, or maybe you haven't done it yet and you're going to do it all at the end, but... What we're going to be working on with the spoonful of sugar method is adding in some of these elements, either with a habit or before you complete a habit, right? So for example, if you're wanting to go for a walk every day, but you're having a really hard time doing it, and especially because you like to spend a lot of time with your friends and that's something you're really passionate about is connecting with other people. Well, what if you started a walking club or you and your friends, you decided that's the way you guys get together. You go pick up a coffee or something like that and you go for a walk somewhere new and you guys do it a different place each week or you have a walking buddy or something like that. That would be an example of how to infuse a natural interest or passion into a habit that you are working on forming. Again, we're going to get more into that and the how in a little bit. Just wanted to give you a little snippet of that. All right, guys, I'm going to cut it off there for time purposes, but I hope that you enjoyed this little sample of an audio mini course from the Patreon. If you want to hear the rest of the Spoonful of Sugar Method and hear about novelty and competition and challenge and urgency, and then a little bit more details of how to actually incorporate this stuff into your life and how to take this information from just stuff that you know to stuff that you actually use All that information is on the Patreon. So I hope you enjoyed this. I hope that that was really valuable for you. I know when I learned this stuff, it just blew my mind. It freaking rocked my world. And it has honestly changed everything when I've started utilizing this information. It's such a game changer rather than just using force, right? And discipline and willpower because those are things I just don't know how to use, but I can make things fun and exciting. And who doesn't want life to be more fun and exciting? (laughs) Anyways, if you want the rest of this mini course, then check out the Patreon. The link is in the show notes. And as always, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. I love you. Hope you have the best day. Bye.